funny thing about your Pittsburgh baseball club, they might be the only franchise in professional sports that a reporter could get away with covering without ever mentioning baseball and do it to the satisfaction of like 90% of the fan base. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins right where you found this. What's payroll going to be? Why is payroll what it is? What should payroll be? What are they doing with all the money that they should be spending on payroll? Why doesn't Major League Baseball do something about the money that they're not spending on payroll? That's just a handful, and I could do this for hours and could actually discuss this into infinity. That's how interested and invested I've been in this subject since 2005, the year that the Post-Gazette assigned me to the Pirates beat. Being down here in Florida, in Bradenton actually, as I'm speaking with you right now, because I'm down here for hockey and moving from Tampa to Sunrise, so it's got nothing to do with baseball. I'm reminded of how the very first spring training that I covered, and I thought to myself, wow, this is all going to be about baseball. This is great. You know, I really love baseball. And it turned out that in communicating with my readers, all they wanted to know was about the team's finances and the Aramis Ramirez trade and what Kevin McClatchy was doing with all the money or when they could get an owner that would be better capitalized than McClatchy. Then Bob Nutting takes the team over, takes control in 2007. And the opposite issue surfaces. He's taking gobs and gobs of profits and and everything else. So over the years, I have written and spoken about this issue to death. So if I ever sound agitated about it, it's not because I don't think it's an issue. I believe that I was either the first or among the first to broach the thing back in 2005 with a front page Sunday sports section cover piece called Buried Treasure that really dug into the Pirates' finances at the time. So I'm not exactly the one who's behind the curve on this. It's the other way around. At the same time, I also believe in covering, you know, the actual baseball. And to a good portion of this team's fan base, that's, wow. I mean, you even hear from people who are like, why are you doing that? You're only helping them out. You're facilitating the crime or whatever. I believe that you can do both. I believe that I've done both for a long time. I'm the one bringing this subject up today, for example. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern, directly across Federal Street from PNC Park, home of Steak on a Stone, home of just an exceptional baseball environment, a great place to go down and watch. Well, we can watch anything. The TVs are going to go to whatever it is that you want to see. 
but also a great place to watch the ongoing Major League Baseball playoffs. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's not a fun subject to beat into the ground when there isn't a whole lot of new information. The questions regarding payroll are questions that I never stop asking. Constantly ask anyone associated with the Pirates at any level how annoying I am with these questions. What was spent on this? What was spent on that? What are you going to do next year? What's the plan for the year after that? For obvious reasons, these are things that they don't want to talk about on the record. And really, if they did talk about them on the record, and every once in a blue moon they do, nobody takes them seriously anyway. Nobody believes them. Any of them, not just nutting. Anybody at all associated with the Pirates talks about money. Nobody believes it. So really, there's not that much of a point to it. Along the way, I try to make sure that I'm educated and understanding as much as I can from their perspective. And remember, they pretty much control the information here so that I can portray the most accurate possible picture to you. So I'm going to swing back to some of those questions from earlier on. What should the payroll be? Let's start with that. That's that's a big one because you're coming off of a strange year, pandemic year, shortened year, the year before. Uh, there's no doubt the Pirates lost money in 2020. I mean, you'd have to be the biggest cynic of all time to think that they made money in front of an empty stadium. It's not how it works. Revenue sharing doesn't make up for that. It just doesn't. And then this past season, of course, you saw the payroll drop down to the most accurate tabulations that I've seen uh, of 40-man is $58 million. And that's obviously just way, way, way too low. You don't need me to tell you that. The Pirates maxed out, hit their record for payroll in 2016 with $109 million. So that tells you where they can spend, maybe, although it could be even higher. But you can see that the range there between 58 and 109 is unhealthy, regardless of where you are with your build. And understanding that Ben Charrington is, in fact, building with kids, you know, again, this is something else that's happening right in front of you. You don't have to wonder whether or not it's real. It, 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 it's right there. You're looking at who those players are. You don't have to pay them more than they need to be paid. Should you be taking money that you aren't spending and filling in the roster spots with, you know, good veterans, even if they cost on free agency? Theoretically, yes. But if you believe the Pirates, and this is a conditional if, and I'm not telling you what to believe, I'm putting this on you. If you believe the Pirates that they're not spending now so that they can spend later, whenever the team is closer to competing, then you would have to kind of accept in a way that there's, I don't know, a fishbowl somewhere at 115 Federal where, you know, Ben Charrington walks by every day and and drops in the million or so that he didn't spend (laughs) that day. And he puts it away for his Ben's Happy Rainy Day Fund. 
so that someday he can get himself an honest-to-gosh corner outfielder and another starting pitcher. When is that? When do you cross that line? Well, this is when it gets even messier because if you look at the payroll commitment for this past year, 2021, it included, past tense, $11 million for Gregory Polanco, who won't be around, who's already gone. Now, the $3 million buyout technically goes on to next year's payroll. That's just the way MLB does accounting. But you're still just, that that's the only money that's on the ledger. Did you know that? I mean, there's players they're going to keep. You know, Brian Reynolds isn't going anywhere. He's got first-year arbitration rights. If Reynolds does really well, first-year arb guy, he's going to get $5 million. So you're still like, you're still way, way down there. So what's a fair and reasonable number for payroll? What is that? I have one in mind, and I'm going to share it with you. I'd like to see, for a bunch of reasons, I'd like to see the payroll be at 70. Now, don't sneeze at that, because where I'd really like to see the payroll is at 170, okay? Meaning baseball would have a salary cap system and expanded revenue sharing and cap system for anybody who doesn't know means cap and floor and all teams would be operating with essentially the same revenue pool and they would be required not just to avoid spending to a certain limit but also required to spend above a bottom. But I'm often told that that's just a pipe dream. So I'll skip past that and instead go for the $70 million. Think of it as something of a bridge year, to quote the great Neil Huntington. Think of it as a, listen, we were at 58 last year. We lost 101 games. It's two horrendous seasons in a row in Pittsburgh. Can't keep doing that. There has to be some show of faith. There has to be some buildup of confidence not just to the outside, but to the inside of the organization. And if you look around the current diamond for the Pirates right now, and we've done this on this show, and you look at catcher being set, third base being set, center field being set, you have some options between second base and short, you have some options at first base, you don't have a corner outfielder anywhere in the solar system, and then you start looking at the pitching and so forth, and you ask yourself, all right, listen, what if you just went out and got yourself a significant corner outfielder and a significant starting pitcher? Hmm? Can you do that? Can you do that within $70 million? I actually think you can, because the rest of the roster is going to be so cheap because of their experience level. I think that can be done, and I think that the product in Pittsburgh will be better. I think that you'll have a better situation in which to continue the buildup at the major league level of Brian Reynolds, of Brian Hayes, of other guys at that age level. You know, 70. That's it. I, I just did this whole segment just to get to one number for you. 70 million. I want to see 70 million for the payroll next year. When we come back, just one question.
back. It's time for Just One Question. That comes today from Don Clark, who asks, the Pirates' leadership have different strategies based on how they believe the new CBA will turn out. Wow. No. (laughs) At least not to my knowledge. And I'm not sure that I blame them. And I'm not sure that I can picture any of the 30 teams, uh, even the Dodgers, who would arguably have to make the greatest adjustments, uh, being prepared for such a thing. I, I don't know how you can do it. I don't know what you would do. Put it that way. If, let's say, complete labor hell breaks out, Don, and let's say that it's just nothing but chaos and vitriol and that's it. The owners have just had enough and they're going to seize this opportunity once and for all to really take control like all of the other leagues did. Let's say that that happens. One of the things that occurs when you go from a non-cap system to a cap system is a grandfathering period. There's always a way for a team to get from either an exceptionally high payroll to the range where they need to be or from an exceptionally low payroll to the range where they need to be. Because there's just too much in the way of roster restrictions that would keep you from doing it all at once. So even if in the most extreme setting, which I think is what you're getting at here, you were to end up with a cap system that looks like the NFL, like the NHL, like the NBA, you're not going to see decisions forced on teams in the moment. That's just never happened. And the most recent league to make this move was the NHL back in 2004. And being that a lot of the participants legally in that battle are very much still around, and by the way, closely enough involved in baseball, you wouldn't see it be very different. And that includes the transition period. But the tough one here wouldn't be the Pirates because the Pirates, if anything, they would just be sitting in a golden spot because they would be getting all kinds of additional revenue sharing. They could spend up to whatever uh, bottom or floor is put in effortlessly in a cap system. One of the really weird misnomers that I hear is, Bob Nutting would never be in favor of a salary floor. If he has a salary floor, he'd sell the team. No, 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 no. A salary floor is it, it's, it's irrelevant in this case because there would be so much additional money coming in that's shared. In other words, the Dodgers, just to put this into layman's terms, the Dodgers' mega TV contract that they have would really not be the Dodgers TV contract anymore. It would be everybody's. It just goes into a pool. It's not that simple, but it's something like that. So there's way more money in spending up to 100 or 150 or whatever the floor would be would not be a challenge at all 
for any of the 30 teams, you would have just the complete elimination of the concept of the big market and the small market. You would have what you have in the NFL where the Green Bay Packers who play in Monroeville or the equivalent of Monroeville can compete on even footing with the New York teams and the Los Angeles teams. Money just becomes a complete non-issue. I know people who follow and love baseball can't even picture that, especially those who don't really follow or love the other sports, but that absolutely is the case. I appreciate the question, Don. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily.